What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode 101 of Smack Talk from SmartOutMoment.com. As always, I am your host, Tony Mango, owner of Smart Out Moment, featured columnist on Bleacher Report, spinner of way too many plates for my own sanity, and I will be your, be your lead mouthpiece, but I'm not alone. No, I am joined by three of the perennial other Smack Talkers on the mic this evening. Introducing first, weighing in at about half the beard size of Daniel Bryan from Keeping Kayfabe, the head of operations over at Mega Powers Radio, Mr. Mike Payton. That, that's actually an outdated stat. I, I've been well on the road to reaching Daniel Bryan's status. I'm actually at roughly Damien Sandow's status right now. <laughs> Pretty soon we're all going to fear his beard. <laughs> we also have our representative from across the pond, the nerd genius himself, Michael Burhan. Hi! And not to be left out, we're unleashing YouTube spood beast, Braden Mayhew. And I, I have a pretty decent beard myself. I mean, Peyton's not the only bearded member of this panel. <sighs> You're on, like, Bad News Barrett kind of level. <laughs> <laughs> You're Bad News Braden. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> Just not English. Yeah, okay. Hey, I've right. got my beard, too, so, you know. I haven't shaved in a few days. We're the three Badigos. Oh. Tony hasn't shaved in a week. He might be getting five o'clock shadow. <laughs> Alrighty, we have a lot of ground to cover for this episode, but before we start knocking everything out, I want to give a quick rundown of how things work here for our new listeners that might be coming over from iTunes. Smack Talk has been solely featured on YouTube for the past 100 episodes, but with episode 101, it seemed like it was time to finally add iTunes into the mix. However, YouTube is still going to be a, a primary focal point of this show, where you can find a lot of extra features, including the image captions we're going to have coming up later on with the pay-per-view review, as well as interviews that I conduct anytime I'm at a event, or anything else kind of going along. So make sure you go ahead and subscribe to youtube.com slash smartoutmoment, as you don't want to miss out on any of that kind of stuff. This show is broken down into multiple parts because we have a lot of different segments each and every week. Each episode includes a wrestling trivia question, followed by a breakdown of the current events going on in wrestling, a couple other segments thrown in the middle, and a special feature attraction of the week, with tonight's episode being a pay-per-view point of Battleground. As a little treat for the people that stick around after we've plugged all of our outside projects, you'll get to hear our weekly outro where we sing lovely little parodies of wrestling music, which are all awful. <laughs> Spoiler alert, tonight's will be Easy Lover by Phil Collins from the first ever WrestleMania. So what better way to kick things off than with our regular opening segment, Ask Him, where Michael Burhan tries to stump us all with some random wrestling knowledge. Burhan, refresh our memories. Who got last week's question right, and who made a bigger fool of themselves than Jeremy Piven calling it the Summerfest? Okay, um, basically, I want to let you guys know a little bit of how this is done. Uh, firstly, I ask the hosts of questions, try and stump them first, and then I direct the second part of the question over to you people. So if they answer once, then I get you to answer the, the second part. Now, the question that I asked was, who... 
has a link between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. So Bret Hart's wrestled this person and the person's also wrestled Shawn Michaels. And I know a lot of people have been going on with John Cena, which, no, is not true because he, he's had he's talked to Bret Hart, but I didn't sort of look at it that way. Um, so the individual in question was actually Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan won the WWE Championship from Yokozuna when Hart was defeated by the big um, Samoan Japan person. And um, also, Shawn Michaels wrestled Hulk Hogan in a match at SummerSlam where Hogan totally pulverized him and uh, pretty much didn't want Shawn to ever want to wrestle Hogan again. Now, that being said, let's go to the people who have answered this question and got it right. Uh, the first person who's got the the smile of Burhan here is Mr. Thomas Sander, who kind of unwittingly actually answered the question, even though he was saying there was a link between Muhammad Hassan, uh, which was, he said, Hulk Hogan. So there you go from there. And J.J. Moore, who also said Hogan, because he had a match pit in him and HBK against Muhammad Hassan and Dalvari, which was a tag team match, which was correct. And also... Uh, his association with Bret Hart. And that's pretty much it, guys. So now let's go into the next Ask Him. So I'm going to ask the host a question. And usually I kind of link it into uh, Keeping Kayfabe, another show that I do with uh, the the great team that we have here. And um, this week's Keeping Kayfabe, we, have, we, we did a whole retrospective of the Montreal Screwjob. So leading on from that, who was involved in the Montreal screw job that is now in a high priority position in the WWE? Really? That's going to be the question. It's going to be the question. <laughs> Trips. Okay. So now for you, ladies and gentlemen out there, I, the I would second say part of the question, the second component, <laughs> Rick Rude. what was the name of triple H's character in WCW? And I want both names. Ooh, I want the character that he played previously to the second character that inspired his WWF character, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. So there you go, guys. And I'll, I'll say it one more time for you, just in case you don't listen. And that is, who were the characters, so there's two of them, plural, that Triple H played in WCW? The first was the character he debuted as, and the second was the character who inspired Hunter Hearst Helmsley. It's God. <laughs> I'm really slap you, Payton. <laughs> All right, guys. If you have your choices of who you think the answers are, go ahead and send us a tweet at SmartOutMoment or a comment on the YouTube video. We will tell you next week who got it right and who gets the scorn of Michael Burhan. Things are starting to heat up, and it's time to start talking about the hot tags. What's going on this week in wrestling? A couple different stories. One of them, WWE is apparently high on Oksana. Out of everybody, <laughs> Triple high H and fucking heroin. If they think that, <laughs> <laughs> the story going around is that Triple H, amongst other people, think that she's got something quote very special to her. Big boobs. What? Undefinable accent. A booty that won't quit. She's the second uh, most useless diva that they have. By far. Well, the other useless diva ended up cleaning up, so, you know, they can't do anything with her. Not to jump ahead, but if we want to claim that she's cleaning up, uh, cleaning up then she might not be having that many drinks with Michael Hayes. 
Oh. <laughs> Before we get into that, though, let's talk about the Oksana thing. Why would WWE be high on Oksana? What the hell is she showing them that is useful for the future? That's no, I, th- I, th- I think is that she's um, she's actually not a human. She's a plant, and they're just pulling off little pieces of her and smoking her and getting high. <laughs> that's what the story is. Maybe that's, that's what RVD is going to be doing on his time off. She's having threesomes with Triple H and Stephanie. No, spending a lot of time getting high with Oksana or high on Oksana. Ew, RVD, Triple H, and Stephanie is just the grossest threesome I could ever picture. <laughs> now, there's a great uh, visual for everybody listening to this. It's going to stand the test of time for this this number. number. Uh, I'll one-up you. Anything with Bastion uh, Booger. Oh! <laughs> Bastion Booger, Bastion Booger, and Bastion Booger. The Bastion Booger, Bertha Faye, and T.L. Hopper. <laughs> Wait, Bastion Booger, Bull Nakano... And Michael Cole. And Naked Midian. <laughs> Can Big Daddy V be the bad? Oh, God. This is just getting so mad. Let's move on to the Rosa Mendez one. The most useless diva out of the company. Uh, Michael Hayes has been suspended indefinitely for drinking with Rosa Mendez. Some reports have said that he offered her a drink after she just got done with rehab. Others are saying that he was just drinking with her. Either way, WWE realized that this is not the right way to do things. So they told him to go to the hell home, and in the meantime, <clears throat> Road Dog is filling in and apparently getting a lot of praise from doing a good job. So who knows? Maybe they're going to end up looking at Michael Hayes as kind of a pain in the ass and give this job to uh, James instead. I could say that Michael Hayes is definitely not part of Triple H's crew, and as Triple H grows his influence in the company, he's certainly trying to input as much of his crew as possible. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see Road Dog taking this spot away from Michael Hayes, and this was all just convenient timing for it. Kind of looking for an excuse to do it, now they have one. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, Bye-bye, if he wasn't offering drinks, that's a little bit of a ridiculous thing to do to somebody just coming out of rehab if that's actually true yes but that's because rosa used to suck him off now she's sober she actually realizes that he's a very unattractive man i think it's kind of funny one of the first episodes might have been the first one it might have been the second one of smack talk was right when they had that thing going on where i think it was chris masters was insinuating that rosa is only on the roster because she uh sucks a lot of dick backstage basically (laughs) And all signs kind of pointed to Michael Hayes. So, convenient well, timing here. Yeah, she lives by the free bird rule. <laughs> <laughs> the free ball rule? <laughs> uh, some other person that we we're going to talk about here. Damien Sandow. No transition whatsoever for this, but <laughs> He was told to stop doing his cartwheels because of Aiden English, one of the NXT wrestlers. And the mentality is that if you have somebody on the main roster do something that the NXT people are doing, that it looks kind of bad. I don't no, understand that, really. No, I don't, I don't understand the cartwheels. I, I did see them mention the singing, kind of like when Randy Orton would come to the ring and do parodies of people's songs. Mm-hmm. I can understand him not doing that anymore because, yes, Aiden English is a current NXT star who comes out and sings an operatic tune on his way to the ring. And it's absolutely freaking awesome. He's one of my favorite guys to watch in NXT right now, which I've been trying to be more consistent with watching. It's free on Hulu now. You have no excuse not to be watching NXT people, so get on it. I don't um, get Hulu. I don't get it either. 
well, Americans, people who live in a real country, you can do it. <laughs> um, but I, I can understand that. You know, you don't want to have gimmicks crossing over. I, I don't understand the cartwheel thing, though. I mean, I, I think maybe they just don't want him doing a cartwheel because they're trying to be, make him taken more seriously. But if that's the case, don't have him lose so much. Yeah, I actually love the cartwheels. I want them to bring that back. It was cool when they did it with Cody because they did the little handshake into it. But other than that, it's insane. Yeah. It's not going to make or break his character, but why not? I notice he's not wearing. Bit? I notice he's not wearing his fruity colors as much anymore either. He's wearing more black trunks and. Oh yeah, I didn't even realize that. That that's slowly stripping away his gimmick. Yeah. They're really hurting his credibility. So might as well, well hurt his credibility. His gimmick was hurt a, a long time ago. Because that's what happens is, when you win well, money in the bank. It bugs me with some people's like they take away everything that made the person recognized to the level that they wanted that person to be at and then it just leaves them as a shell of their former self yeah i don't know if any of you have heard this but there are rumors that the, that the beginning of this week's smackdown is like the start of a face turn for him possibly what yeah why uh, and i just i'm like that could be like the worst possible thing i've ever heard i don't think he can he possibly translate well into a face i think that that's like almost career death sentence to him his talents lie in keeping the character he has the only way I could see him turning face is so that he could have a really hot heel turn in about six months and make him a big deal again. Unlike Del Rio. Yes, exactly. Where somebody actually gives a shit about him. No, you Del Rio put hot sauce on Del Rio to make him hot again because it wouldn't <laughs> work. It was too bland. Uh, speaking of Del Rio, John Cena is going to return at Hell in a Cell and wrestle Del Rio. There's absolutely nothing leading into this, except they just were like, uh, John Cena's back, so give him a title match. And we don't want to have him in the Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton one, so let's put him in with Del Rio. And as much as I hate that, I want John Cena to win this so fucking bad, so we don't have Del Rio as champion anymore. But it's still going to suck that even if he does win, which I actually, right now, I would assume that he would we probably will just get another fucking rematch at Survivor Series because they love Del Rio in the world title scene. Don't you oh, think Del Rio's that Cena's got the title for um, him to lose it to, say, I don't know, the money in the bank holder? Damien yeah. Sandow? No, I but don't see him, it. Make him uber legitimate by doing it. Imagine getting a pinfall over Cena. Wouldn't harm Cena whatsoever. I don't think that they'll end up doing that. No, I think he's going to have it to lose it to Brock Lesnar. Really? Brock Lesnar's going to get the world title. Yeah. I would love that. Do you remember that it. whole segment where um, he went into Triple H's office and he was looking at the belt and holding it on, trying it for size? I think there was a little bit more to that than just passing by. Huh. Now, where do you think that that'll add the bleeding for WrestleMania? That's a really good question. I've been... I don't know where any of these guys are going to end up because... Either John Cena or Brock Lesnar, I think, are prime opponents for Undertaker next year. Really, there's not even anybody else. Maybe like a Sheamus or a Ryback could go in there too, but that's it. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of going back and forth between a couple different combinations where you got to have uh, Undertaker, Sheamus, Ryback, maybe Goldberg. I really don't put a whole lot of stock into those uh, scoops, scoops, scoops. Um, and Brock Lesnar. In some kind of capacity, either we get Sheamus and Lesnar and Ryback and Undertaker, or Undertaker and Lesnar and Sheamus and Ryback, or, you know, it's got to somehow combine those. Maybe Sheamus and Undertaker and Ryback and um, Lesnar, but I think those four are going to be combined with each other, and if 
Brock Lesnar is the champion at the time. I can't see them doing Undertaker. No, if, if Brock Lesnar is the champion, whoever is the champion will not be facing the Undertaker. The Undertaker they're going to make three matches that they can promote big. It's always the two title matches and the Undertaker's match. They're not going to combine that and lose that extra marquee spot. I'm thinking four this year because of the Triple H thing. I'm still thinking, I mean, this is months ahead of time and everything, but I'm still thinking John Cena's role isn't going to have anything to do with the world title. I think he's going to be facing Triple H. Yeah, could uh, be. Again. Mm-hmm. I think we're getting Triple H and John Cena for a power, power struggle of the company, Undertaker and Lesnar, Sheamus and Ryback, or Randy Orton involved somewhere into that, maybe even a triple threat, but I, I doubt that. Where does The Rock go? I don't think The Rock's going to be in it. Hmm. What does The Rock say? And I'm really, I don't know why, but I'm really thinking that we're going to get CM Punk against Daniel Bryan. I have no clue why, but I just, I got that feeling about that. And you world mean, title, I think they're going to just throw that shit away. If it's not Sheamus and Ryback with, or with Punk whatever. and Brian, do you think it's going to be a title match or just like uh, like a match that's kind of like the lower of the big four matches? I think it's going to be WWE title. Yeah, you mm-hmm. just think that's going to be their main title match? One of them wins the Royal Rumble and goes on to face the other one. Do you yeah, think Punk's it'd be kind of a Rumble? Has he? Nope. No, he has not. Do you think it's going to be kind of like a Mania 19 situation, whereas even though it's not like the biggest match on the card, like in terms of star power, it's still going to be the the two guys in the title match that kind of close the show, or do you kind of see something else taking the main event spot over them? John Cena, Triple H. Oh, yeah. Oh, for absolutely. sure? Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. They, there's no way that you're going to believe that uh, WWE title as opposed to the Triple H, Vince McMahon thing, especially if it is John Cena. I mean, we're not going to and have Triple H. totally random like <laughs> Justin Gabriel in it, but... That'd be hilarious if that if this is what this is building up to. Justin Gabriel's giant push against Jinder Mahal, who's going to win the Royal Rumble as a babyface. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on from that a little bit, the last thing that I really wanted to talk about this week: Monday Night Raw. I mean, we we ran it down on the post show, which you can check that out on Mega Powers Radio. Uh, awful episode, and it ended up scoring the lowest rating of the entire year. Now, I don't know shit about ratings and all this kind of the number crunching. Apparently, if you do understand it, these are the numbers. They went from a 2.68 to a 2.65, which doesn't seem like it's much of a drop. And the viewership actually went up from 3.58 million to 3.706 million. So the viewership went up, but the rating itself went down. And I'm kind of surprised because I would assume that it would be the, like that much worse considering how awful Battleground was. What do you guys think? I didn't really watch. I, I seen. I missed the first hour, so I can't really vouch on that. But the other two that I seen when I got back, oh, terribly dreadful show. I mean, well... I'm not going to waste a whole bunch of time on it, but apparently Big Show's music can play despite the fact that he's fired and announced to the whole audience <laughs> that the guy who's fired is coming back to make a run in at the end of the night. I think secretly Dixie's writing the storylines. <laughs> Maybe. Or maybe the Big Show just likes to have his music played, and before he went to the ring, he just threatened to knock out the sound guy unless he played it. I'd play his music for him. I or, or, knock or, or, or better yet, maybe he held him up with his gun. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I knew that had to get a name somewhere. <laughs> or Sin was just doing his music. <laughs> but he got it right. 
if you guys want to know more about what our thoughts are from Monday Night Raw, go back, check out that Monday Night Raw post show because man, we ran that shit down. That was awful. As far as the rating, I mean, it it's yes, the Raw was shitty, but I think that's more due just <clears> because <throat> of the low energy after that awful battleground pay per view, which yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Yes, we're we're gonna teach that pay per view a lesson. We have the the honor right, of digging through it. All right, guys, we're going to take a little bit of a break here in part three, and we're going to come back around in part four and start talking about Battleground, so watch out. It's time for us to take a little bit of a commercial break in a way with the rest hold portion of the program, wherein we scramble all the other little promotional segments and other things that we have going on here, the first of which is the Bleacher Report card. For those that are interested in reading what articles I've written this week for Bleacher Report, I've written one of them on WWE Battleground 2013. If you want to look on the more positive side of things, you can check it out. It's three losers who won big. They came out with something, even though the pay-per-view was kind of shitty. So if you want to check that out, go ahead and click on that link, which you can find in the YouTube description, on the Facebook and Twitter accounts, as well as SmartOutMoment.com itself, or you can just kind of sift through all the other posts on Bleacher Report to find it. The YouTube comment of the week goes to The Habit Man. It seems like this whole pay-per-view is turning out to be one long-ass bathroom break. Probably shit, shave, then take a shower. Not in that particular order, mind you. (laughs) We'll talk about that a little bit later when we get done this scramble, but keep sending in those comments, everybody, and we will smark your words. And remember, guys, coming up next week is the monthly mailbag where you can ask us any questions you want to, and we'll answer them before covering our predictions for TNA's Bound for Glory pay-per-view. So shoot us an email via the contact form on smartoutmoment.com or send us a tweet at smartoutmoment, and we'll get those answers to you. Last but certainly not least, I'm currently looking to add more contributing writers to smartoutmoment.com. So if you or someone you know might be interested in covering breaking news or the TV show results and reviewing those, or maybe you want to write one of the editorial columns that I have waiting in the lineup, shoot me an email and we'll get to talking. Break time's over with, so let's get back to work in part four and start talking about WWE Battleground. Let me preface this by saying... It's a shame we have to start off the iTunes stuff with such a horrible pay-per-view. We're, we always try not to be negative about everything out there, even though some people think, you know, we can praise 20 things in a row, but if we say one thing's negative, then all oh, you guys are just negative all the time. But God damn it, we just can't be positive with this. So if you're one of those people and all that, now you know ahead of time, we are going to run down this pay-per-view because it was fucking awful. Worst pay-per-view of the year, spoiling my potential choice for the end-of-the-year awards, because I can't imagine anything coming in after this being as bad as this one. It was the M. Night Shyamalan of pay-per-views. It was as bad as Burhan's pronunciation of his last name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, let's start it off with the pre-show kickoff match. Dolph Ziggler versus Damian Sandow. And there really wasn't too much going on for this match that I paid much attention to. It seemed like it was just a match that would be on Raw. Does anybody else have any points that they wanted to bring up about it? Because mm-hmm. there was nothing that happened of note that I could. Well, I would be able to pay attention to it if the stream worked. It kept cutting, freezing. I refreshed it, and then it'd be playing a segment of the match that I already watched. So I didn't see the finish. I maybe got five minutes of decent action of the entire match. So I can't really vouch for how 
average, good crap it would have been because like the stream on YouTube, the stream on their official website, even on on the yeah the official WWE app, the, the stream wouldn't work. It's what like about the unofficial broken. WWE app? <laughs> they got to make one for sure. But I, I couldn't really say too much because my stream wouldn't work. I tried watching it. You didn't miss anything. No, nah, apparently not. Peter, what do you think about this match? I actually was in a similar boat. Um, this was soon after we finished our pre-show on Mega Powers Radio. And I was actually of the opinion that I was not going to watch this pay-per-view at all. I was convinced. I, I had no interest. There was no hype going into it. And I certainly wasn't going to pay 50 bucks for it. I was just going to play Grand Theft Auto or sit on a couch, read a book or something. Yeah, I was tempted to read a book. <laughs> That's gosh. pretty bad. But um, I ended up getting a call from a friend I haven't hung out with in a while. So I was like, ah, I should go hang out with this guy. So um, I ended up driving up there. It was about a 20-minute drive. I didn't get to see the match. I originally started putting it on my phone as I was getting ready just to like see what was going on. But um, it, was, it was choppy as hell. I, I could not get a good connection. So I don't think you were alone, Braden. I think they were having problems with their stream. Which sure. wouldn't be the first time they did this night. No. Or the last time, I should say. Because yeah, like, in parts of the match, it would actually, like when you go to refresh it or whatever, it would replay like the same clip that already aired. Like, uh, I think it was a spot where no, they, they, they do that all the time. It's called smack. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. But, uh, it would be like, there's this one part of the match where I think Dolph kind of went to go jump in the turnbuckle at sand hours, the other way around. They kind of bounced off the turnbuckle and the match kind of moved from there. Every time I'd refresh, it was that same part of the match. And then all yeah. of a sudden it just stopped working entirely. And it's like, Oh, I wonder what happened. And I figured out later on in the pay-per-view the actual result of the match. Ugh, terrible streams. Well, the purpose of the match was about as pointless as the build-up to the match. It really had nothing going for it whatsoever. Well, did it have the anything? Well, I don't the think it did. The only thing that it kind of did was they teased the shit, and apparently the week before that Sandow might cash in after the hardcore match. And they did this thing where apparently Sandow tweaked his leg, and it was just so terrible that he couldn't even apparently come out and cash in his money in the bank later on so that it's like people don't expect him to cash in at least the people watching the stream going to the pay-per-view would be like oh well, he's hurt he can't really cash in and so building it up just to not have it happen that's like the only purpose i could have seen to have him stand out there is just an excuse to not have him cash in after they hyped it for a week i feel it's like re- if that was the case though they would have played a replay before the world heavyweight championship match and i don't think they did that no they just mentioned it on commentary if you noticed that's yeah, all. they did. They they kind of like it casually. Oh, you know, Sandwell's tweaked his knee and he can't do it. You know, the the whole issue with the briefcase and he can't do it at this point in time. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like passing. And it was like really. Is to that me, that's that's kind of ridiculous though. Because mm-hmm. if like if you were trying to look for an excuse to say why he doesn't, then why don't we just do that every pay per view? Like we he's never done it since then and. I mean, wouldn't the bigger excuse just be because Del Rio won the match? <laughs> It'd be different if he was like... Or could have been, like, you know, he could have come out and teased it, and then Del Rio and him could have faced each other down, and then he just walked off. That that would have made it easier. But the whole pay-per-view was just like that. It was just shitty, shitty, shit-fest. It was terrible booking after terrible booking after terrible decision, and on top of a thousand other terrible decisions. It's like Vince Ugh. Russo wrote the show. And not the least of the terrible decisions was us watching it. Yeah. <laughs> I regret that decision. Oh, Any other thoughts that you guys have on it? Uh, Brohan, you didn't give your rundown. What do you think about this match? Was it anything interesting, or do you have the same opinion that everybody else does? Piece of shit. It was crap! 
<laughs> Very much. Going back on what we were saying before about the cash-in on the world title match and everything, the world title match itself, Alberto Del Rio against Rob Van Dam, hardcore rules match, which really, that didn't come too far into play with, like, building up this match as something that's going to be fantastic, because I didn't really think it was interesting at all, and they had the same generic spots that they usually do. They had uh, one of them that I thought was kind of interesting, which, in a bad way, was interesting, where... Rob Van Dam did some kind of like a frog splash or whatever from the apron onto the outside on Del Rio, and it looked like it hurt Rob Van Dam more than it did Del Rio because of the way that they positioned yeah, the ladder. If that Rob Van Dam does makes it look like he's hurt himself. It's ridiculous. But I, he actually did hurt himself a bit. <laughs> he's uh, jumping on a fucking ladder. I've said a, a million times I don't like Del Rio, and I really don't like Rob Van Dam, and I'm so sick of... Del Rio being the world heavyweight champion or challenging for the world heavyweight championship. So there was nothing going into this match that I was interested if, if in. If you had to choose who annoys the hell out of you less out of the two of them. Del Rio. <laughs> no, see, I, you, you, I'm, ju- you just hate that. RVD. <laughs> you must be glad he's taking his vacation now. Yeah, RVD's around less often and Del- he's like less in our face. Well, if you, go, if you go by that, then yeah, but... If you go just by, like, who would I want to sit through five minutes of? I'd rather sit through five minutes of Del Rio than RVD. Yeah. But there's if you're going to give me... Yeah, there's, there's always the potential that Rob, uh, Del, Del Rio will shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Only when he's wearing the white ones, though. He's got to wear the white trunks. But no, you give me ten moves in a row of one person and the other one, I'll rather watch Del Rio. But you give me ten goddamn months of a row of Del Rio, and I'm going to... Oh my god, I'm just so sick of it. Yeah, he's he's been in the world heavyweight title picture the whole year. And essentially for the years leading up to it too. He's pretty much mm-hmm. been in like every title match for the past three years. Whether it's WWE or World Heavyweight title, yeah, definitely. I know I don't understand what they say in this guy. I mean I, I get where he wouldn't be just like a tag team jobber or something like that. He's obviously talented enough that he could be an upper mid carder or something, but he is not the focal point of an entire company for the most part. Well, no, but he's not, and the world heavyweight title isn't that kind of... Well, maybe it will be come a couple weeks from now, as we talked about earlier. It should be. That's but, the thing. Um I don't know. I liked him a lot when he debuted. There was something about his character when he was fresh and new to the roster that is a lot different than how he's portrayed now. I don't know what happened. Like the character he was, say, three years ago, is a lot different than what he is now. I don't know if it's a lack of direction or I just don't know. He's just not not the same same guy I became a fan of like three years ago. I don't get it. Like, I've changed, man. Used to be cool. <laughs> Well, it's well, he's just what he's a guy who puts Mexican flags on the the four ring posts. He's no. not even good enough to cook Mexican food. He, he's he's that guy who doesn't really realize he's a heel and thinks he's like a hero of the people. Still, I don't get it. But the match itself, decent opener. I wouldn't say it was it was horrible, but it was basically the exact same match the guys have had with weapons. Yeah, practically, same moves just with weapons. Yeah, nothing bad i i hated it really i mean it wasn't the worst match in the world but it couldn't even keep my attention it was that boring to me hmm. hardcore my... matches are one of those things where a lot of people think that as soon as it's a hardcore match it's instantly going to be fun 
And I don't really buy into that. I really like I need to have something else other than that. That can really substance. Yeah, that can upgrade a match and it can make it make a good match great. Or, you know, sometimes if they botch it enough, it could make it worse. But if you give me two people that I have no interest in seeing with a feud that I have no interest about, and then you just go, oh, by the way, there's going to be some weapons involved, I I still don't care. Like, you need to give me more than that. You need to give me something to go by other than uh, quotes like uh, Jerry the King Lawler said, the rules are like pinatas. They're made to be broken. Okay, well that's the whole selling point of this whole thing is that they're going to have a ladder come into play at some point. You need more than that. What do you think about this, Peyton? My favorite part about the match was when Rob Van Dam did the kick. (laughs) Actually, my favorite part of the match was when Alberto Del Rio used his own thumb pose and said, it's a D R. Sure, crowd. it wasn't when he was doing the shrug. <laughs> I don't think Del Rio picked up the shrug from Van Dam. <laughs> Del Rio needed to smoke a lot more weed to get the shrug right. <laughs> That's true. Ugh. I will give him a little bit of credit for the ending. That at least with having the arm breaker and the chair, you might kind of say that that put a little bit more torque on it. A lot of times when they do moves that incorporate a weapon. It makes no sense whatsoever to how that's supposed to hurt more. Like when Randy Orton gives you an RKO on the steps, and that's supposed to apparently hurt your neck more from him landing on steps. <laughs> so at least they tried to make Rob Van Dam look a little bit better and give him a reason to tap out by having something a little bit more to it. But really, just something that I will, I have for the most part completely forgotten. And I hope that they never have another feud between these two. And that Del Rio takes some goddamn time off. And forever and ever, amen. <laughs> Any other thoughts from anybody from World Heavyweight Championship match? Shrug. <clears throat> um, um, it was a World Heavyweight Championship match. In the opener. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So that was and a great way to start off this pay-per-view. Yeah. World Heavyweight Championship match opening a pay-per-view, as Again. always. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, I, I looked like I was going to have a fucking fit when that happened, but still, you know, it's a world title. Same fucking title you say held by Ric Flair, and it's opening a pay-per-view held by some idiot who can't even speak a proper fucking English sentence. Yay. Still more than we can say for Sin Cara. But at least it was better than TNA. Nah, anything's better than TNA. And still a better love story than Twilight. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think TNA might have been better than this pay-per-view. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe this is, like, the limit where finally TNA starts getting some people that they just go, oh, God damn it, if this is what WWE's doing. <laughs> Either that or TNA's going to follow suit because they like to steal a lot of things from WWE, and they'll just be like, we need to have an even worse pay-per-view at Bound for Glory. <laughs> The main event's going to finish hey. when Matt Morgan comes out and he punches the two main eventers out and the pay-per-view just goes off the air. <laughs> and then we're going to one-up WWE. Then he punches himself out. <laughs> oh, God. Before we start getting into the... Gone. Before we start getting into TNA stuff, let's move on. Roll Americans versus Santina Morella and Great no. Kali. No, no, let's go back to TNA. No! <laughs> <laughs> He's American-made. 
There's only one thing that we can talk about when it comes to Real Americans versus Santino Morella and Greg Colley, and that's the swing, because everything else is garbage in this match, but that was awesome. Agree, disagree? Oh, the only point of it to be on the card was to show the the giant swing to uh, the pay-per-view audience on the Greg Colley of all people. Only highlight. Only thing worth talking about. And a negative highlight, though, that came out of it was Kali counting himself out when they could go for the <laughs> pinfall. Cesaro, uh, let's go, Kali. Kind of half-assed or whatever, but you can't blame the guy because Kali's huge. I wouldn't be able to even pick up the guy's leg. And dumb. Uh, and he goes to pin him, and Kali's sitting there going, one, two, three. <laughs> I think you'd be used to doing that by now. <laughs> uh, maybe I should use his count out at the end of his back talk episodes. <laughs> Five, four, ah. <laughs> oh, no, what was that? That was Kali uh, coming through. That sounded like Kali having sex. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Jesus. You know, yeah. this, this, this match was obviously on there just for one thing, to be a showcase of Antonio Cesaro's feet of strength. It was made a tag match because Cesaro is still stuck in a tag team and because Kali can't go out there and wrestle a full match. So they had Santino go out there, who is getting a lot of shine right now. So it was good for them to get him out there, too. It, it was what it was. It was a filler match and was just there so Antonio Cesaro could look more awesome, which is great. I want Antonio Cesaro to look awesome. So, yeah, I'm being positive about it. Yeah, that's the best way to look at this if you're looking for a positive thing. It, it accomplished what it was going to do with a bathroom break, which, I mean, they didn't necessarily need to do that right after the world title match, but uh, their, their positioning for this card lineup was really odd for this pay-per-view, I think. And the swing was fun and entertaining. They didn't need to completely replicate it on the next night's Raw, down to a goddamn T. I mean, I think they had the exact same spot, too. Mm. That, where, that was a mistake. Where that... Kali goes to the corner, and then he knocks him out, and, like, that, I don't know what they were going for. Maybe they figured nobody really watched Battleground, so they needed to do it on Raw, so people could actually see that happen. But you should kind of be making people want to see Battleground. That's sort of your job. And they did a horrible job building up to this pay-per-view, so it's on them for that. It's not on Cesaro or Santino or Kali or Swagger or Zeb Coulter, who's awesome. Well, it's a good thing they didn't have another repeat of when Ryback went to do his move on Tensai. Oh, God. <laughs> One other thing I thought was kind of interesting, though, in this was um, they maybe they've done it before and I've just missed it, but I think this was the first time they incorporated the flags that they're wearing with the real American stuff that they actually are like flags as well. And that they charge the ring. (laughs) I thought that was kind of ridiculous, but it was still kind of like, you know, it made me laugh after watching the world title match. So that was a nice little bit of levity, especially. I agree. It would get worse, but wait, the, the real Americans charge the ring. Yeah, uh, like they ran, like they're going into battle. Yeah, yes. Zeb Coulter points like go, and then they just started running with the flag. That's awesome. So they're the new Brian Kendrick and uh, Paul London. Then. <laughs> no, they're like Mel Gibson in the Patriot. It's great. I like it. And uh, Zeb Coulter's like Ashley Mazzaro. Oh my god, oh. I don't want to see him in those kind of outfits that she used to wear. <laughs> I don't, I don't think even those rock signs. <laughs> I mean, 
but other than those kind of points, there really was nothing else to this match. I mean, that was another match that should have been on Raw, essentially. And then, of course, it was. <laughs> I mean, they just should have just replayed the entire thing, gone SmackDown mode. But I was impressed with the swing. So, yeah, you got something good out of it, right? And the ju- and the, the, the running to the ring, the charging. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, was they did a promo right before this. And the promos were weird on this event, too. I mean, we had that pre-show thing with El Torito hitting on Renee Young, which is kind of creepy. But there was a promo with Zeb Coulter and the Real Americans before this match. And the entire time in the background, when Zeb Coulter's talking, Cesaro is smiling ear to ear with this real shit-eating grin. <laughs> and he's just mouthing a bunch of shit like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> like, he is having the time of his life. And if you've already seen the Cesaro swing from this, the only other things that you should check out are them charging the ring and the promo beforehand because it got to the point where it was ridiculous what Cesaro was doing. Like, if Zeb Coulter said, uh, oh, the sneaking across the borders thing and he starts doing the little thing with his fingers, (coughs) Cesaro gets, like, so happy that he's going to do it too. And Jack Swagger, in the meantime, is sitting there stone-faced, not even blinking (laughs) <laughs> he looks the total opposite of Cesaro, who's having the time of his life. Swagger looks like he's trying to just figure out where the fuck the camera is or something. Or that he's baked out of his mind and trying to figure out where he is. But there's such a contrast, and Cesaro is smiling <clears throat> the entire time, having so much fun. It's hilarious to watch. you got to check it out. And then Swagger. <laughs> and then Swagger. He doesn't do anything until, I think, the walking across the borders thing. And then he just kind of wakes up like, oh shit, maybe I should be doing something because I'm on camera. Fantastic. Typical. Other than that, though, I don't have any other things to talk about this match. Does anybody have any other points they want to bring up? That those are the only points to bring up. I think possible, especially if uh, people watch Draw. What more do we really need to say? Uh, great Carly was in a match. <laughs> and we this guy was the, the people gonna point. swing Carly. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a world champion at one point. Makes you want to cry, doesn't it? A little bit. It was, at the time, it was fine for him to be a world champion. Come on, don't be a hater. Be a star. We talking about Swagger? <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about Kali. No, Swagger made no, no it was sense. No, it's just a shot at Swagger. <laughs> Swagger made more sense than Kali. Yeah, he did. Well, you know, like you were saying, Kali, as, at the time, they really were running out of people. I mean, everybody kept getting injured around 2006 that, but... to 2008 was a dark time period. Not a good time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah. That's when I started getting back into it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Like, I, the, I first watched WrestleMania again. WrestleMania 22 was when I first watched again after graduating high school. And, man, it was just a bad time period. John Cena and Batista everywhere. The Spirit Squad. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, Ugh. I don't think, I didn't think. I thought 2008 was a pretty good year for wrestling, actually. Yeah. There's a lot of quality pay-per-views. Uh, I don't want to get into this. We, we <laughs> keep talking about how <laughs> shitty this pay-per-view is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Moving on, Intercontinental Championship match. Curtis Axel against R-Truth. Another one of these matches that really had not much going on for it. And no real build-up. I mean, the whole build-up for it was that R-Truth got a win over Curtis Axel because Sam Punk's music played. And that apparently meant, even though he's done nothing over the past couple of months, that he was immediately shot forward into the Intercontinental Championship titles picture. So... That goes to show you how much they give a shit about Curtis Axel and the Intercontinental title right now. And this match was complete filler. 
didn't like it. I don't want to see these two having any other matches together. Pretty much enough said from my point. What do you guys I think, think about this? I think the best thing they could have done is to have Curtis Axel get payback. And what they could have done is had Spider-Man's music play. So that would have freaked our truth out. And then Curtis <laughs> Axel could have gotten the roll up pin. That's that what they should have done. way to do that match. Yep. Mm-hmm. Make it two minutes. As soon as our truth comes out, you just start playing that right after his music is done. That was a running thing throughout this whole pay-per-view. Things were way too long. And usually it's the opposite. Usually you feel like matches could have been better if they were given more time. A lot of these matches would have been better if they were cut in half. And you know what was really odd? As I mentioned before, the placement of the matches on the card. Mm-hmm. Now, we had a pre-show match with... Uh, the pre-shows are kind of give or take. You either have something that's really important and it's worth the while, or you have something that's complete throwaway. Usually, for the most part, though, it's not the most important thing in the world. Obviously, or else that would be on the pay-per-view. But then you want to start off with something pretty decent. And as much as I didn't like the match itself, the world title match, starting off with a hardcore thing, that does kind of kick it off with a bit of a bang. And then you take a little bit of a dip down with the Real Americans match. But then they went on this weird thing where that whole group in the center was... The Real Americans match that wasn't announced far uh, far in advance. And then we went to the Intercontinental title match. And then after this, we had the Divas title match. Which, that's way too many matches that are filler in a row. I thought, and after that, wasn't it the Wyatt-Kofi match? No, that, then it was the Shield and Goldust and Cody uh, Rhodes match. But okay. then it went to the Bray Wyatt and Kofi match. Then CM Punk... And then the um, WWE title match. So it makes you think, like, why didn't they have the CM Punk match and then a buffer match and then the world title match? And likewise, why not move the Shield match to after the Intercontinental one and then use the Divas and Bray Wyatt as buffer or something like that? Like, I I don't know. I really was confused about this because after watching the Del Rio match, I was disappointed then the Real Americans match was just kind of like, this. I wouldn't have paid to see this. Mm-hmm. And at around this time with the Intercontinental title match, Dace, who had paid for the pay-per-view, was just kind of like, I'm going to like really miss that 50 bucks. <laughs> I would be too. And then it just kept getting worse, and it kept getting worse. Uh, this Intercontinental title match, crap. Absolutely nothing to write home about. Nothing. When was the last time we had a good Intercontinental title match payback? I don't even remember. When Axel won it, right? Against yeah. Miz? Yeah, yeah, that might be yeah. it. In the triple threat with Miz and Barrett. What are your thoughts on this, Burhan? It was an Intercontinental title match. That should never have happened. I like Truth better when he had Little Jimmy. I like Truth better when he didn't have Little Jimmy yet. I like Truth better when he wasn't in WWE. <laughs> You're just telling everyone you suck. Are we really going back to TNA? No, I, I, I just mean I didn't have to see him. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they might be continuing this feud at least until Hell in a Cell. But what feud? This, is it a feud? Yeah, apparently it is. I mean, we've got R-Truth teaming up with CM Punk to face uh, right, Curtis right. Axel and Ryback. Really I think R-Truth versus but... Spider-Man would have been a better feud. They wouldn't have been able to tag him. He's afraid of him. Our truth coming out to tag with CM Punk was one of the most random things on Raw I've ever seen. Like that, I think that was an absolute <clears throat> dip in excitement, and it wasn't very exciting at that point after CM Punk's promo anyway, because he has just been absolutely off his game the last few months with those. Um, as far as this match though, 
it was just filler. It, it was another opponent for Curtis Axel to defend his title because going back to the old Jack Tunney rules, you got to defend that title every 30 days. So he's got to put it against someone. And I'm, I'm happy that it's at least on the pay-per-view. I guess if I have to pull some kind of positive thing out of this, I mean, it's not like sometimes where you won't even have the, the Intercontinental title mentioned like SummerSlam. So I, I guess that's good. I think you could have found a much better opponent to put him out there with. I mean, put him out there with the Miz again. You could put him out there with uh, Fandango. There's a lot of people you could have done it with. Agreed. Any other points, guys? Not one. <laughs> <laughs> Said with such disdain. Oh. All right, moving on to another championship, Divas Championship, coming up in the next part. We just got done talking about two of the filler matches, and this one, kind of filler, but actually has more going into it than the other ones did, and that's the Divas Championship match between AJ Lee and Brie Bella. It's pretty bad when the Divas feud has more of a build-up than the Intercontinental or the Bray Wyatt thing or the pre-show or <laughs> like all these other matches. But at least they tied in Total Divas, which makes perfect sense. They really have to put a lot of focus on that because it's doing well, but it is a new show, so you should put a focal point on that. And why not have Brie Bella as the person to do it? They are not the biggest fans of Natalia, it seems. So they don't really want to pull the trigger and give the title to her or anything. So give it to AJ Lee and Brie Bella and see what they can do with it. Match quality is not going to be absolutely fantastic. But uh, I thought it was better than the Curtis Axel match. It was. <laughs> That's one positive thing. We had a little bit of a step up. Yeah, it was, it was uh, basically an okay match to continue the card. It's uh, still odd that it would be a follow-up the Intercontinental title match, but what was there wasn't wasn't terrible, wasn't big or outstanding, but it, it served its purpose. Yeah, the Divas have done far, far, far worse than that on pay-per-view this year already. So I mean, it certainly wasn't the worst match of the night. Now, all of it's us, lot, AJ, and um, the, the whole pair between her and Tamina. I enjoyed that because I, I look at it as something that's really promising uh, in terms of her character, but I don't... The, the thing is, it was an okay match. It wasn't amazing, and I think the only reason that it was as entertaining as it was was AJ. Well, I don't like the Bellas. too bad of a job. Yeah. Bree's not, you know, the Bret Harder of wrestlers, basically, but... She's gotten better, and she looked great. <laughs> She's porking Daniel Bryan. She should at least learn something. And we mostly were talking about um, having an argument, kind of, or well, more of a debate than an argument, really. All the people that were watching the pay-per-view with uh, Chris Dace and everything, we started going on about the difference between Nikki and Bray, and uh, one of the people was saying that Nikki's disgusting and Bree's better or whatever. And it was like, we're just kind of going back and forth about the twin thing. Which twin do you like better? Which one is hotter? So on and so forth. So that actually was keeping our attention more than the match. But I do think that it was a step up from the Intercontinental thing. And I don't mind the Tamita and AJ pairing. I don't mind Bree being in the feud. I don't mind AJ retaining here. Um... I kind of wish she didn't run with a roll-up, but it was fine. You know, what do you think, Peyton? 
I don't really have any problems with this. It was um, as, as good of a Divas match as you're going to get these days. I think Brie Bella is coming into herself. I think she's another person who's very overhated. Um, I think she's grown significantly since when the Bellas first showed up in the WWE. I think the way that they built her into this title match actually wasn't bad. Some of those video packages that they've been airing the past couple of weeks on Raw have been really good. Um, really making me interested in Brie Bella. So I think good for them on that. Always like AJ, though I think she's been kind of cold the last month. Uh, pairing her with Tamina gives her a little bit more of a fresher look on her. So they, they can keep going that that route. Um, prefer Brie Bella over Caitlyn with AJ. I'll say that much. Um, but in some ways I feel like Brie Bella is being groomed for a, a title run with that Divas title. But um, if not her, then I don't know who. Because there's, there's not really anyone else around that I could see it going on. Of course, everyone will argue Natalia. I don't see it. I don't see them doing it with Natalia. Mm-hmm. I could see them giving it to her and letting her be a legitimate champion, but I don't think WWE will. That's the thing. They don't seem to really like Natalia that much. Uh, Natalia will be transitional at best. Mm-hmm. And then who the hell would take it off of her? Because we really don't Beans. have anybody. Beans art, yeah. <laughs> God, she needs a new name. But I don't. Yeah, I could see Brie winning it though. Um, maybe at Hell in a Cell, because this whole pay per view is pretty much just filler and pointless and a stall for Hell in a Cell. So Brie could win it. That could be a good finish to the season of Total Divas if they're still filming into that. I don't know. But even if AJ Lee keeps the title, I'm fine with that. I like her. Any thoughts, Braden? It was a decent Divas match. Uh, one of the matches on the card that wasn't terrible. And really, um, other than maybe, like, if you want to consider the opener and the match we're going to talk about next, like, one of the, the standout points that you could say was good. Hmm. On a rather lackluster show, no problems with it. I wouldn't mind seeing them uh, wrestle again for the title. All right, we're going to move on to a match that actually has something that's more... <laughs> Solid to talk about. The Shield versus Cody Rhodes and Goldust, a match that finally we get to have something to talk about in a positive sense. I like this match quite a bit. Some people have said maybe it wasn't as good as it actually is if you looked on it uh, on its own, that it was surrounded by crap so it made it look better. I haven't looked back at the match just by itself yet to really judge that, but at the time, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was an overbooked I thought it was a classic tag team match. They kept everything pretty like pretty old school. Uh, they had you know the the nine count on the outside where Goldust finally makes it in right before ten. We had a lot of reversals. We had a lot of hot tags. Um, you know, I just I really thought that this was a hundred percent just a solid match that accomplished everything that it should have. We have the. Rhodes family back in WWE. The Shield doesn't look like crap because they actually put up a good fight in the process. It made Goldust look like he was somebody who should be on the roster, which a lot of times when they have people who come back and they're more of like the legend status, they overplay that card a little bit and they make it so... And they, they did this with Dusty a little bit. Dusty hits Dean Ambrose with an elbow and Dean Ambrose you know, flies halfway across the fucking arena and starts backing away like, oh my god, I can't beat up this old man who's three times my age or whatever. That stuff gets ridiculous, but Goldust is in good shape. 
and you know he took the beating and gave the beating out. So I thought this was great. What do you think, Braden? Definitely, without question, the best match of the night. The only redeeming quality of the entire pay-per-view was this match. Because it, it, it had a very simple story. Cody and Goldust were basically as a family, even their father. They were fired. They were The whole family was humiliated on television by uh, the administration for months. They're given this shot against the Shield, who are basically the, the bodyguards and enforcers for the said uh, evil corporation faction. And they're given this one chance to get their jobs back. And the story told in the ring and being built up to it had the audience reacting to basically everything they did. And it, it, it wasn't, there was nothing super overly crazy. It was just a good, and as you mentioned earlier, Tony, an old school back and forth tag team match. Like something you'd see from maybe, oh, I don't know, like when tag team wrestling was really kind of more of a big deal than it is now. Just four talented guys working, telling a great story in the ring, and it really paid off. I mean, the crowd was super into yeah, the Rhodes family having their moment and totally against the shield. Yeah, the, the, the Dusty taking out uh, Ambrose Bob was a little silly, but it was still good to see kind of like the family get their moment at the end of the paper, and I'm sure that's what everybody wanted to see anyways uh, for basically the them to get their moment over over. The, the, the bad corporation. So it, it was awesome. Like the storytelling and the whole angle kind of paid off with this match. And really the only point of the pay-per-view that anybody needs to see for sure. I, I really, really very much enjoyed this match. Nothing but good things to say. Payton. It sucked. <laughs> really? No, no, it was, it was a good match. <laughs> I was going to say what? All right, I, th- I think it's being a little overpraised um, just because it's the, the diamond in the rough of this pay-per-view. It's, it's sticking out. Um, my favorite thing of it actually was the pre-match promo that they did where they had all three of the Rhodes family members there. And they all cut these very serious, heartfelt promos. Um, best of all, they, they ended with Cody. They, so they made him the shining star of the group, as they should have. You know, I mean, I get Dusty's a legend and Goldust is a favorite from the past as well. But Cody should have been the, the big star of this group, uh, as he was during the match, too. Um, there were a few things I did not like, such as Goldust's pink gloves. Oh, that was kind of awkward. Yeah, I, I get they're doing all this pink stuff, and I think that's great. Um, but those were really, really distracting. At least he wasn't pink dust. Uh, it's exactly what I was going to say. At least they didn't use any like pink face paint, because Goldust's face paint was on point. I think that's my favorite Goldust paint job I've ever seen him have. <clears throat> it looked Darth Maulish to me. Yeah, it did. Well, it yeah. was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. All the black under on his uh, on his neck and up to the ears. I thought that was a great touch. Um, and if anything, I thought it was a signal for the potential Goldust turn. Yeah, it was, it was like him. He's, he has the darkness creeping up on him. But um, that didn't happen. We, we just had a, a typical good guy winning in the end type thing going on. They had the celebration at the end, which was really cool. All the old timers coming out on stage. Arn Anderson and Dusty Rhodes embracing, which was kind of odd. But nobody really realizes that anyway then um and we've seen john cena and randy orton hug when john cena got quote-unquote fired so <laughs> kayfabe's dead um I- irs was there which was awesome i was happy to see irs Dean Malenko really, really old uh jim jamie noble they were they were all there noble was there i don't remember seeing noble thought he was i don't know maybe i'm making it up uh you know zach Ryder got a chance to be on pay-per-view for the first time in like a year so 
yeah, it was it was good. Um, the Shield had their typical good outing. Nothing extraordinarily special, though. Um, other than the feel good moment at the end, I, I think this is a match that could easily be forgotten. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like best match of the year, going to rank up on PWI's list or anything like that, but it certainly was the standard which the whole pay per view should have been. Yes. But that's what happens when you don't have half your matches before the pay-per-view even starts, and you yeah, really big. don't put any effort into it whatsoever. And if they would have maybe... put the same effort into this match, or even maybe half as much effort from both a performance and a building standpoint, then the pay-per-view would have been decent. Yeah, I mean, they only went into the two Triple H you know, related storylines like the WWE title match and this match were the only stories with any sort of momentum going into the actual pay-per-view. That's two matches out of a whole card. Yeah. Punk and Ryback did kind of do. Yeah. The tail end of that. But uh, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later. The one other thing I do want to mention though, you were talking about uh, the end of the match was good. I loved that crossroads. Probably the most intense cross crossroads ever. (laughs) Like, performed in the middle of a ring yeah that looked like that could have hurt that was perhaps my favorite one that he's ever done it looked like it could have been a a solid finisher maybe it's rollins maybe it's cody maybe it's just they really hit a magic spot that night but man if that ends up being like how he delivers that from now on fantastic one of my favorite finishers then burhan what are your thoughts on this match I felt it was very nostalgic. It was a great match. I do agree with Payton. Those pink gloves really freaking took focus <laughs> off of everything. He's just standing there and he's putting his fucking pink gloves on. I'm just looking at him going, what the? Why would you? I had that you guys really get that. distracted by pink gloves. We will never forget the gloves of <laughs> gold dust. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, yeah, it was a great match. It was nice to watch the Rhodes family finally get one in. It's still it. It was great, but it wasn't enough to save the pay per view, in my opinion. No, that oh, would have had to be no. HBK Undertaker quality great to try to save this pay per view. Yeah, it's it. <clears throat> it allowed them to have some sort of redemption, but now you got to sit there and think, where does it go from here? I think it's going to be uh, tag team titles for Cody and Goldust. I don't think that's a good idea. And there's a reason why Cody was in a hot program with Sandow moving up to like the, the world heavyweight championship, getting him over to the tag tiles to face the shield. Doesn't really do much at this point in time for his character. In my opinion, I think that them versus the establishment is a great thing, but I don't want to see them get thrown in the deep end and, and go against the shield having nothing come out of it. My reasoning for thinking that they're going to go with the tag titles is they keep talking about that rumored Gold Dust versus Cody Rhodes feud that they've been wanting to do for years. If they do actually go through with it, Gold Dust has to turn heel. And Gold Dust has to remain relevant enough over the next few months or whatever they're planning on doing it to be able to turn heel and actually have his match with Cody mean something. So what better way to do that than to just have the standard thing where they win the tag titles, they wrestle on the next couple of pay-per-views, whatever, however long it's going to be, and then Cody and Goldust have, they drop their titles for some kind of way and Goldust turns heel. 
they could drop their titles to whoever it is that's they've been building back up as potential people to run the tag team division. Uh, you know, maybe somebody like the Real Americans if they're still together. Maybe Los Matadores. I have no idea where they could go for that, but I don't want to see Cody and Goldust in a feud five months from now. Where in the meantime, Goldust has just wrestled with people like Our Truth. You know what I mean? Mm. And I don't think that they're going to give Cody Rhodes a main event spot. Not yet. Mm. So if they don't give him the tag titles, then they got to give him the United States Championship. That's why Goldust has to turn sooner than later, and then Cody has to fight his way to get his hands at Goldust. When do you think that they should turn him? I thought they should have turned him the other night. <coughs> I, I, I think it's already past due. But um, if they, if they want to stretch it out, then as soon as possible. Well, they, they could turn him in the tag match. They do have a match with him and Cody against the Shield. Yeah, they could. They could. Like I said, I think it's already too late. Now, do you think that they should have some kind of um, a match at TLC or Survivor Series? Like, where do you think that this would lead? Mm, Survivor Series is fine. I, I would say Royal Rumble. Be, let it be that big win for Cody Rhodes before he goes into whatever his big WrestleMania program is. Hmm. Any other thoughts, anybody? That's no, pretty that's much it. I think um, it was all pretty much said on that. The it was a good match. Um, you know, it's great to see this. It is a very hot program, but if they're gonna end up leading towards a Cody versus Goldust they will need to end up turning one of these guys heel, and I don't think Cody Rhodes needs to turn. No, no. He needs to be a top baby face in the future. Yeah. And he needs a new theme song, as much as I like that, but that doesn't fit baby face Cody Rhodes at all. Mm. We mentioned a lot of the other filler matches earlier on, and we went through those, and there's another one that we have to talk about here, Bray Wyatt versus Kofi Kingston. Ugh. This was... The quintessential match of the night that went on far too long, was far too boring, made no difference whatsoever to the pay-per-view in any kind of positive sense, had no build-up to it, and they're not going to do anything because of it either. Pointless. Made no sense to me. There was even a part of the match where... Kofi jumps out of the ring, takes out the whole Wyatt family, and there are these idiots in the crowd chanting ECW. <laughs> wow. Like... Oh. No, no, see, it made sense because Kofi is an ECW original. <laughs> <laughs> this was just crap. I mean, this went along with the whole rest of the pay-per-view. This was just crap. What do you guys have to say about this? I don't know if I can possibly top that line. <laughs> it was it was awful. It, it, it was Bray Wyatt sucks. I mean, it's a shame. This guy just needs to go. It, the guy gets the coolest theme song in the world, one of the greatest and most unique gimmicks the company has had in a decade, and he he still freaking sucks. He can't get the slightest reaction of a crowd during his match. His two henchmen, I, I think, are more impressive than him, and they're freaking terrible. So. I, I'm I'm so done with this Wyatt gimmick already, and it's a shame. I I really have tried to give it a chance. 
I, I fell out of them the first time we saw him in that infernal match with with Kane. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to try to stay. We'll, we'll see how it goes the next couple months. It's been a couple months. He, he hasn't gotten any better. It's, it's I think, done. I think one of the things hurting him is they've got this mentality in WWE with the Wyatt family where they're bringing them out. And then they're not doing anything with them. And then they're waiting like two or three weeks and then having them pop out and go, we're here. And then nothing else happens. And it seems they're... like they aren't following their own rule of bringing somebody into the main roster when they have something planned for them. It kind of seems like they don't have anything planned for the Wyatt family. You know everything what I mean? Else, everything else is going on and they're left without uh, anything noble to, or anything to work with since Kane's been gone after SummerSlam. They're just sort of there. Even I mean, with they, the Kane thing, for the most part, they came out and they attacked Kane. And then I think it was the next week or it might have been the week afterward. They weren't even on Raw. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're taking a couple episodes off here and there. And then the only thing that they're doing to make up for that is they come out and they attack R-Truth, or they play their music while Kofi Kingston's in the ring, and then he just kind of goes like, huh, I guess or, we're or having a match. Or they, or they scare the Miz a bit. Yeah, like, I don't get it. They don't have any... There's no direction. Kind of direction. They have yeah. absolutely no direction. And, and since when is the Miz too good to get a beatdown from the Wyatt family that he's got to get the slip? <laughs> like, is, is that what the Wyatt family has dropped now? Maybe it's was, not was that... anybody else disappointed by that? I mean, I, I, I wanted to see it. I was actually kind of happy about it. I like the Miz. I mean, over the past like month, we've seen him get destroyed by Randy Orton in front of his parents, get knocked out by the Big Show with absolutely no conscious worries about it whatsoever. But he's going to get the slip on the freaking Wyatt family. So I think that speaks volumes. <laughs> they should just have the Wyatt family against Mrs. Dad. He'll no-sell everything. <laughs> Mrs. Dad should join the Wyatt family. It'd be gotta... a feud between them and Miz. I think Mrs. Dash should just take Bray Wyatt's place. <laughs> Imagine him. Am I the only one who thinks she is a pretty good speaker, though? That oh, he's he a good can, speaker. That he, he can be a manager. Good that's, promo. that's what he should be. He should just be a manager. Come out, rock in his wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, That I think his that's wheelchair. true. Wheelchair. <laughs> his wheelchair. I didn't even catch that. Maybe that'll even make the gimmick better if he's yeah, just in a wheelchair. That, that, that's a good way to write about of wrestling. He's yeah, have, have him break his leg or something. He's just got to sit in a wheelchair the whole have time. Have him do that yeah. thing that he was doing where he was bending over and his neck was all weird, and then he just gets paralyzed because he did it wrong. <laughs> oh, I, I like his gimmick. It's just I don't think he can work worth the shit. That's all. And I thought – I don't remember him being that bad when he was Husky Harris. I don't know what what's going on. If it's just him trying to implement the gimmick into ring work. I don't remember him being that bad on NXT. When, yeah, when he had the gimmick in NXT, he was amazing. I don't know what happened. Yeah, he was very solid for like a, like a, a bigger worker. Now yeah. it's he's not. I don't know what – it has to be him trying to implement the psychology of his character and it just is not translating well to what he's trying to do in the ring. That has to be it because I seen him do good stuff three years ago. What the hell is going on? Well, I think Peyton's got the whole caveat here. I think that Bray Wyatt would be a fantastic manager for somebody else. He's just not a good enough wrestler. And Let him build the family. He's got the, the two big goop, goop buffoon guys. He could bring in Kane. Maybe bring in someone else like an R-Truth. I bet he could be a good fit in the Wyatt family. Maybe there's another truth. person from NXT that can come on and kind of fill that Bray Wyatt spot. Oh, the, the Ascension would be a good uh, couple guys to pair with Bray Wyatt. 
they they got like this dark twisted gothic type gimmick. Unless they want to use that uh, tag team as a gimmick, like as a kind of a concept itself, like its own entity when they call it up to the roster. I personally hate the Ascension. They, they, they could always do that later, kind of like uh, kind of like the Acolytes. You know, the Acolytes started oh. in the Ministry of Darkness. That's Maybe true. They started before, but then they went on to be their own guys afterwards. Uh, the gimmick, I, I still think, has a lot of potential. It's just something's missing. Like a couple it's, episodes it's a overall. Direction, probably, for one thing. A, a decent direction. It doesn't have to be the greatest thing in the world. Just something. I kind of think with some people, they're really getting hindered from the Triple H storyline. They're going to say the gender. These people are are suffering because of that, but I also think that they didn't even have that plan necessarily when we first started, and they were still sort of doing this with the Bray Wyatt family. So I think they jumped the gun a little bit. I think that they wanted Caden to get off at SummerSlam, and they were just like, oh, let's write him off TV with the, the Wyatt family, and let's bring him on now, and we'll figure it out later. And then they kind of realized, oh, shit, we didn't actually spend the 15 minutes to figure it out. So now they're trying to make up for it by having random matches with R-Truth, and I'm sure if Tyson Kidd was back and on the main roster again and not somebody that they're just kind of like waiting the wings for, that we would see him jobbing out to the Bray Wyatt family and everybody like, I don't know. I I just think that we're going to look back in a year and these people aren't going to be worth a damn. Which is a shame, because a lot of people were like, oh, maybe they're going to be the ones that will take it off the shield and whatever. No way now. 3MB's got a better shot at it now. Hell yeah. Well, that and they're both heel factions. <laughs> Los yeah. Matadores. They're going to be another waste. <laughs> but, yeah, Bray Wyatt versus Kofi Kingston. Crap. And I don't think there's anything else we really need to talk about, is there? Meh. No. Nope. Crap! CM Punk faces off against Ryback because it's around that time of the year where these two need to have another match, just like we did last year. This time, the roles are different, though. CM Punk's going in as the babyface, and Ryback's going in as the heel. Ryback was going in last year with an undefeated streak, and this year, going in with basically Love a control. defeated streak because he doesn't win any matches. And he uh. lost again here. To a crack chat. Yeah. That's what he lost to last year. Very true. Oh, that must be why they did it. It makes so much more sense now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now CM Punk didn't have to rely on Brad Maddox doing it. He did it <laughs> himself. Upgrading. Mm-hmm. And the babyface wins by low-blowing his villainous opponent. Right. I wouldn't be so far opposed to that. Because it is CM Punk, he's kind of always been like a heel babyface, in a sense. But this feud is just stupid now. They've dragged this on way too long. I still like that dynamic between Punk and Heyman. It's just the people he's throwing at Punk since Lesnar that have sucked. I don't even like the Paul Heyman and Punk stuff anymore. Really? I'm still riveted by it. I still find it very entertaining. I got tired of it with the Night of Champions match. I think that should have been the end. I would argue it's been one of my favorite feuds of the year, actually. I've... You know, taste or tastes, but the people he's throwing at them, like Ryback of all people, really. I think Bad News Barrett would have been better. <laughs> what? Truth. Church. What should, we have... <laughs> <laughs> what should we have to say about this match, really, though? Like, 
Way too long for a Ryback match. Far, far, far too long. Yeah, I have nothing positive to say about this match nothing. either. Really, it's awful, terrible. I almost fell asleep during this match. I fell asleep during this match. <laughs> it was, and it's a punk match. I never fall asleep. I find punk matches to be riveting and and you know very high octane. This the match crowd was... doesn't die during a punk match. The crowd yeah. fucking died during this match. Well, and give Punk him has to shoulder some of the blame here. I, I will give some of the blame to Punk, but apparently he's pretty beat up. Um, and he's yeah. looking to take time off. So that probably one of the reasons is because you'd look back at the tape of this match and thought, yeesh, what the hell? Um, but no, it, was, it wasn't even worthy of being a Paul Heyman match. I've seen so many guys aligned with Heyman, like put out quality. Ryback is just terrible. I'd... They could have easily pushed. <laughs> they could have easily pushed this guy to, uh, you know, excuse the pun, monstrous heights. But instead, he's like this little overweight baby, <laughs> has no idea what he's doing. You know what else bothered me about this too? And this is not on the match itself, but this is the raw afterward. I mentioned it earlier. Everything on this pay-per-view is nothing but a stall, and it's just filler, and it's a waste yeah. of time for Hell in a Cell. And they really showcased it on the Raw afterward. I mean, we had that complete repeat of the Antonio Cesaro thing. We had the outcomes of these matches either meant nothing or led to nothing. And with the CM Punk and Ryback thing... CM Punk and Ryback are only facing each other because Ryback screwed up the match at the previous pay-per-view. So that whole thing is just, I want vengeance on you for messing up my other match. It's a, a stall in itself. And then this ends in a way that CM Punk is still going to feud with Paul Heyman. So that was pointless too. And the way that they just transition into having another match at Hell in a Cell, CM Punk comes out and he just goes like, oh, you want to have another match? All right. And that's their whole promo. Like, <laughs> he literally just flat out says like, do you want to have want to have another match? Okay, we could have it today or tomorrow. Why don't we do it at Hell in a Cell? Because that'll waste another four weeks. And then it's just announced. Like, yeah, okay, good idea. They, they're having another match. You highly I'm overestimate the time to Hell in a Cell. Was it two weeks, three weeks? It three can't weeks. be that much longer than that. Three weeks from the actual pay-per-view, so two weeks from the Sunday coming up. Which is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. they don't need these two pay-per-views. Two in one month, all oh, complete overkill. Horrible. They need to just get rid of Hell in a Cell entirely. And... No, can we get rid of Battleground, please? Well, I, I'm still saying they need to get rid of Hell in a Cell, get rid of Battleground, and replace it with something else. I mean, how about October just doesn't get to have pay per views because they're usually terrible? Oh, October is the month a, they skip. They have a new WWE pay per view called Oktoberfest and do it all about Brockwurst matches. Just bring yep. in the the German aspect of Antonio Cesaro for every match. But but then Jeremy Piven will call it October Slam. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't like TLC either. And I really wish that they would just revamp this end of the year kind of stuff. Survivor Series is the only thing that it revolves around that I have any interest in. And that in itself too has been kind of half-assed the past few years. They kind of rush the traditional elimination match at the last minute. Sometimes they don't even really explain what the purpose of, it yeah. ma- of the match is, and we have Mick Foley in a match against Dolph Ziggler. 
what was it? Well, I think it was two years ago when they were in Madison Square Garden, the one where Punk won the title from Del Rio, and mm-hmm. um, Rock came back. Yeah, Rock came back for for that uh, Never Before Never Again match. That was a pretty good Survivor Series. Yeah, Survivor Series isn't all bad. It's it's hit and miss is the best way you can describe it. It's Some far years, better than what they've been doing with Hell in a Cell. No, it's still usually always better. The last year, I think, was a bit of a doozy. Uh, it had its redeeming moments, but it wasn't all that good. But it's usually hit or miss. It's, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. But usually it's always better than what October has to offer the company in October terms of pay-per-views. <laughs> yeah, bring on Oktoberfest. I am, though, by far... Uh, so far removed away from giving a shit about this feud to the point where I don't even want to see CM Punk and Ryback at all for the next pay-per-view. I don't even want to see three minutes of a match. No, I don't want to see Punk face Ryback either. And it's not... Well, well more than enough of that. Well, it's, it's not anything against Ryback or Punk or Paul Heyman, but... This whole feud's just been dragging on far too long, and everybody's just kind of phoning it in now. They're cutting the same promos every single week, where Sam Punk is talking about how he's going to beat up whoever he's currently involved with, and he's going to get his hands on Paul Heyman. And then they have that other person come out and attack him, and then they move on to the next week. And if you're somebody like Punk who gets bored every once in a while, you got to imagine he's probably so bored out of his mind with this feud. And that's probably why he's phoning it in, too. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like being a babyface. He doesn't like having the same repetitive shit. So this is both of those uh, sides of the, the sword. No, he doesn't like being a babyface. I think more so he just doesn't like doing something where it has no substance. And the feud of Ryback has no substance. Oh, that and he threw him on concrete. Yeah. In the build-up to the match. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Time to move on to the main event. <laughs> For hand Payton, you guys have any other thoughts you want to throw out there? Horrible yeah, I, I think uh, just like a lot of the matches, this segment has gone on too long. <laughs> All right, main event time: Randy Orton versus Daniel Bryan. Finally, we're on the main event: Randy Orton versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. Two signs that I saw in the crowd that were pretty funny. One of them was Orton peaked in 2004, which is a pretty blunt statement. Out <laughs> of all the things that this guy decided to write on his sign, he goes with that. And another one was Duffel Bags Fear Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> that one I think I preferred more, but uh, yeah. the him peaking in 2004 one was just as hilarious. Duffel Bags Fear Orton. Uh, now, before we start getting into the match itself, let's talk about what happened right before this. At this point, we've given up on the pay-per-view. This is just a horrible pay-per-view, and there's nothing that this match can do that'll make it a good one. This could be a, a five-star classic, and it would still be... That match was really good, and the Cody Rhodes thing was cool, too, but the and whole rest of was garbage. Shit. Yeah, so there was rumors that there was going to be a Fandango dance-off during the night. And I was kind of expecting that to be the buffer between the CM Punk and Ryback match and the WWE title match. The next thing we know, we have a blank screen. And Dace has had some issues with Comcast, because Comcast is a horrible company, in the past, where we've had, you know, the pay-per-views kind of acted a little bit weird, and we've had to sort of, like, fix the line, and we, we even had to duct tape it 
one i think it was like payback or something because it just wasn't staying right where it was and the feed kept cutting out so we're naturally the ghost yeah the ghost uh so we're kind of assuming that it's another situation like that he goes and checks his other stuff and you know everything else is working fine and then i start seeing all the other people talking about that they're having technical difficulties and i go to twitter and everybody else is having technical difficulties and this is right when they had earlier in the night announced the situation with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon not being on the pay-per-view and Brad Maddox was afraid that the whole thing was going to turn to shit. So part of me is thinking, are they doing this because they want to make it seem like everything is going to shit without Triple H? Are they going to pull, like put this into the storyline and Triple H is going to go, what happens when I'm not here? Everybody starts fucking up. Even the cameramen shut off their goddamn screens and everything like Far be it for me to say WWE shouldn't have done that to try to save face here, but, uh, you know, they didn't really think about that. Instead, they just wanted to ignore it. And if the matches ahead of time didn't kill this pay-per-view and kill the momentum going into the title match, this technical difficulty thing sure as fuck did. Well, they actually did um, make a comment about that when Stephanie McMahon was running down Brad Maddox on Monday night. She's like, we obviously you can't handle things with the way the match ended, the power going out, the feed being out for millions of WWE fans. Um, so, they, so they did bring it sort of, but I think that was all just convenience. I, I don't think this was part of a plan at all. No. Um, I, it's it's pretty tough to actually have all the power go out in a building, and not a safe thing to do on purpose. Um, you, you could easily damage a lot of your equipment if you do that. So I. I honestly think something just happened um not not to get into a a political rant here but uh our infrastructure is not very good it's actually amazing that we don't have more power outages so this this is probably very likely legit oh no i i 100 expect it to be legit but they should have made it seem like it was part of the plan to make themselves seem a little bit better you know what i mean i think it was convenience I think it was inconvenience, kind of, because uh, it really just showed how horrible this pay-per-view was. Like, this, this has only happened once before in my recent memory, too. In 1996, In Your House, Beware of Dog, I believe it was, yeah. um, where half the pay-per-view actually was cut out and ended up having a repeat you, uh, a couple of days thing. later where they had um, all the all the matches that weren't on the pay-per-view due to the outage that night, which I believe was like uh, Undertaker versus Yokozuna in a casket match. I know maybe it was Goldust in a casket match that night. Um, as well as Shawn Michaels against the Bulldog for the title. This was just so symbolic of how horrible this pay-per-view was that, I mean, it gave people a reason to want their money back and have more of a legitimate excuse than just this was garbage. But, God, this was just terrible. And credit to Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan. They tried to have a really good match and pick up the pace a little bit, but... It was dead by the time it came to them. And they had to know ahead of time, too, that there's crap leading up to this. You lost the whole feed with the technical difficulties. People are going to be in a pissed-off mood. They wasted their money, and you're not giving them something that's entertaining. And they know ahead of time that the match is going to end with Big Show knocking them out, and it just ends. And you don't even have the bell ring, let alone... A decisive win. Now, I'll defend that to an extent because a lot of people are bitching, complaining about that. And I think that that, uh, the fact that it's a draw kind of is fine. I think they could have handled it better. But 
that was the icing on the cake to this pay-per-view. For anybody who is of the mentality that the ending of a pay-per-view kind of makes the whole pay-per-view, there's a lot of people that do that. They, you know, if the end of the night ends on a really high note, then suddenly the whole pay-per-view was so much better. And if it sucks, then the whole pay-per-view was garbage. But the people that do that thought that this was terrible. The people that had a lot of faith in this match being, you know, a match of the year candidate or whatever, they had to have been really disappointed. And it just sums up the whole pay-per-view that this just ended up being crap. And it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Who wants to build off of what I just said? Brahim? Big Show came out and floored both guys for no friggin' reason. It it was terrible. I just... It infuriated me to the point where, I, as I said this to Payton, I was looking at giving up wrestling off the Raw uh, because I looked at that pay-per-view and I was like, if I had... As someone who would pay for that pay-per-view, I would have been pissed. Braden? It's just... <sighs> Decent stuff between Brian and Orton, like you'd expect. You know, the power outage beforehand just kind of sealed the nail in the pay-per-view's coffin. But the match was good for what it was. And then Big Show. Just Big Show. Knocking people out and being the big hero of the whole storyline. Just like he'd do the next night. Is this really the Big Show? Like, it's just the whole angle is supposed to just push Big Show? To be this big conquering he- uh, hero against uh, the administration. And Brian and Orton are just face and heel pawns in the whole thing. It's all about Big Show. Big Show versus Triple H. That's what we had to look forward to. <coughs> Fuck yeah. Woo-hoo. Can't wait. God, awesome. What if we do get that for WrestleMania? No, oh, we are. I'm sure. That's coming. It, it, it might not take that long to happen. It might even happen before the year's over. You might see that at Survivor Series. I'd like to see Big Show as part of a team going up against Team Triple H, but I don't want to see Big Show in a singles match necessarily. Or worse off, I don't want to see him in a triple threat match for the title. Ugh. Expect big things for the Big Show. They're imminent. If you don't give him big things, he'll threaten you with his gun. (laughs) This pay-per-view proved that. What What a lame piece of shit. Worst show of the year. Don't think, yeah. anything, don't think anything's going to be worse than this. It was, it, was, it was not very good. I mean, the match itself, just talking about from the opening bell to where Big Show came to the ring, was not even all that great. It, it was probably the worst match between these two guys who have had a lot of matches, not just on pay-per-view, but I remember there was a series of matches they had on Raw. I remember they had one of those hardcore matches, the one that ended with Daniel Bryan getting a yes lock on Orton with the kendo stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those matches were all awesome. But um, this was not very good. And, and the ending, I, I think a lot of us knew the, what the ending of this match was going to be. I don't think it was a surprise to anybody that we were going to end up in some type of no decision and having this thing extended for another pay-per-view. Yeah, I thought what they were going to do was just kind of have them battle out and fluke out a double count out. And that's yeah. how they were going to end it. Exactly. Fight to the back and, and have it end with a big like pull apart of, say, like uh, the Shield coming out to try to beat off Daniel Bryan. Sure. And then uh, a bunch of backroom Back, back jobbers come and save, uh, save, what, whatever his name is, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Rico uh, comes out and tries to beat off Daniel Bryan. And... Uh, yeah, yeah. And then Big Show gets his gun. 
that that perhaps that's a way they could have gone that I think would have been at least a little bit more favorable for people. I think that this was done so sloppily and lazily that it's left a bad taste in people's mouth. And after the very, very crummy pay-per-view that we've had leading up to this match, it, it was just not acceptable. The, the, this whole pay-per-view was extremely lazy, extremely unnecessary. There, there's just too many dang pay-per-views, and they're so dang expensive that I don't even know how they keep making money on these things, especially if they're going to be putting out a product like this. They they need to step up their game. Um Cutting down the pay-per-views is a great way to start. I don't want to say copy TNA's model where rather than doing all the pay-per-views, they just have four big pay-per-views and then TV specials. Um, in a dream world, if they got that WWE Network up and running, having them on there would be perfect. Um, or going back to like an in-your-house type model where you have your big pay-per-views, but you have your smaller ones in between. And those could be your fillers, and they can be a special night. You know, you could put a, a main event style matchup on there, but you know it doesn't cost as much. Maybe it's not as long. Maybe... Um, yeah, and then you, you can just have maybe one special match on there once in a while, but if it's more lackluster than your average pay-per-view, I don't think people will be let down as much. Yeah, and I think that actually the poor performance of Battleground is going to hurt Hell in a Cell. Mm. I don't think we're going to get a really great buy rate for Hell in a Cell. I'm especially astonished after all that went down with Night of Champions, with people demanding refunds and all that, that they would go ahead and do such a weak finish at this pay-per-view or even just do the weak pay-per-view in general, but especially with a funked finish like that, that they would take that chance. Yeah. And if they were going into this, knowing that they basically just kind of wanted to stall for hell in a cell, wouldn't they just try a little bit harder to at least make the other matches on the card mean something? So if you're going to have the pay-per-view end with something like this, where you know you're probably going to piss people off, wouldn't you kind of want to give them a couple of good matches beforehand so at least they can go, well, I got my money's worth because the the Cody Rhodes match was good and the, this match was good and that match was good and whatever, and not just to go, we're going to focus all of our attention on building up the Daniel Bryan thing and we're not going to really put any thought into the other matches. And then the next week, we've got like six matches we have to add to the card because we're running out of time. And I don't know, uh, Bray Wyatt and Kofi Kingston, they can wrestle each other. And R-Truth and Curtis Axel, they can wrestle each other. And it really seems like you've got a whole lot of members of creative, yet not many people actually want to spend a half hour to figure out your plan. And if this was a plan, good lord. You know what would have been cool is if, um, you know, I know this idea was brought up a lot, but even now looking at it retrospectively, if they did a one-night tournament type thing with Battleground where they could have had all these same matches. You could have had Ryback versus Punk in a first-round matchup. You could have had Curtis Axel and R-Truth in a first-round matchup and, and maybe bring in some other players. Um, and you still could have had that tag match between Goldust and Cody and The Shield. That could have been a buffer match in between having the tournament matches mm-hmm. and still have it lead up to Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan in some fashion and then still have it be a funk finish. So it's like you go through this whole tournament and then it still ends up getting extended even further. I think that would have been a little bit more intriguing than the way they went about it this way. Yeah, and you know what? That would have actually made both guys look better if Daniel Bryan is somebody who keeps winning the title and they keep stripping it off him and he has to fight his way back and he has to fight his way through an entire tournament again. And Randy Orton hasn't been looking that great because whenever he wins the title, he wins it because of some kind of fluke or whatever. And then he gets it taken away from him because Daniel Bryan just flat out beats him. So if he would have gone through two or three, four people, whatever the tournament would have been, 
then he would have justified his spot at being at the top. Mm-hmm. And then it's the two of them. Okay, well, that's why these two keep fighting each other because they actually are worthy of being the two champions at the top. And it would have made sense for them to be the two people. It's like, all right, now these are going to be the two guys having a singles match for the title later on. Because when they just announced it, it was kind of like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's weird. You're just going to just pick those two random guys to fight for a vacant title. That's odd. Yeah, Triple H could have very easily just said, look, <coughs> you two are two of our big stars. And, you know, you deserve to be in the title match if you can prove it. Because now I'm starting to question it. So, you know what? There's other people on the uh, roster that might deserve it, too. So we're going to have a whole big tournament. And it didn't need to be huge. I mean, we didn't need to have 50 matches on the card. But, like you said, why not include CM Punk and Ryback in there? Why not include the uh, the Miz, who wasn't wrestling at all? Throw Big Show in it. Yeah, Miz can be like uh, Randy Orton's first round matchup. Because he's got to face some random people leading up to Daniel Bryan. Yeah. So uh, that could have been a good spot for Dean Ambrose, who wasn't wrestling. Yeah. He could have been the first round matchup for Daniel Bryan. Like, they really could have done it. And they decided instead to go with a bunch of filler matches that sucked. And no wonder the episode of Raw afterward was so bad. The morale had to be awful going into that episode of Raw. So overall thoughts... Terrible pay-per-view, worst pay-per-view of the year, and I haven't really liked any of the pay-per-views this year for the most part. SummerSlam uh, was a little bit of a difference. Um, I think Money in the Bank and Payback were kind of like, okay, you had a little bit of time there where things were building up better. But uh, this, this is just above and beyond worst pay-per-view of the year. Worst pay-per-view I've seen in a very long time, so shame on whoever was responsible for that. <laughs> This is the worst pay-per-view since uh, I believe it was No Mercy 2007 where they did that whole ordeal with the WWE title bouncing between Randy Orton and Triple H three oh, times. That was oh, awful. That remind so me that that pay-per-view existed. Whew. Yeah. Terrible. So that about wraps up all of our Battleground review. Shame for everybody who had to sit through all the negativity if you're one of the people that doesn't want to do that necessarily. But promise, we don't do that for every single pay-per-view, just the ones that are so bad like this one. Uh, random do tell you that your subscription's got you. Well, we're going to unsubscribe because you people are so negative. Right, yeah, exactly. It'll for a happen, terrible show. It deserves it. But I'm sorry. Hopefully Hell in a Cell will not be as bad, and we're going to all go into Hell in a Cell hoping that it's better, and if it isn't, uh, we'll run that down too. But if it's good, then we'll sing all the praises that we can. But, Anything's got to be better than that piece of crap battle. Yeah, if they find a way to make that worse, then good lord. But that'll do us in for Battleground. And we need to do a quick rundown of the Fantasy League. So for those that don't know, we are having a bit of a Fantasy League going on with a bunch of different members of the Mega Powers Collective from Smart Out Moment and from Keeping Kayfabe. So I'm going to pass this along to Peyton. Go ahead and fill us in on what the current rosters are. Everything. Well, things continue heating up. These numbers are as of Battleground, so these do not yet include this week's editions of Raw and SmackDown. These are just leading up to the end of Session 5, as we call them. We have sessions that are basically pay-per-view to pay-per-view. And currently those scores are, in first place, Chris Jester with a tremendous 810 points tony mango is in second place with 585 i am sitting pretty at third place with 400 points 
tight behind me is Michael Burhan with 390. Dropping down a bit into fifth place, we have Braden Mayhew with 200 points. Oh, Miguel nice. Leon still sitting down pretty low with 80 points, though he is making his comeback. And, hey, he got to overtake what's now known as Team Steven Wago, which is 75 points. But with a new manager, hopefully this team can pull themselves out of this slump and get themselves back up there. Matter of fact, he made a change for uh, he's just going to drop uh, Chris Jericho for Goldust. So we'll see how that pans out for Team Wago. And in last place, a new team that just started, Team Drew White, the Drew Crew, <laughs> with zero points currently. Their points will just be starting to be calculated this week. He's actually involved in, in uh, the fantasy league now. When that start? Uh, last week. Nice. He was on his team. I believe his team is Los Metadors. <laughs> uh, Santino Morella, Brock Lesnar, and Sin Cara. I see bright things in that team's future. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, guys. That's the rundown of the Fantasy League. Obviously, we'll update you guys uh, going into Hell in a Cell. TNA has nothing to do with this whatsoever, so we will not be really giving that rundown for TNA's Bound for Glory next week. But... Any kind of pay-per-view stuff, we'll always give you a breakdown of what's going on with that. And that'll lead us into the final thing we need to take care of this week, the plugs. First plug of always, the Sign Me Up initiative. If you bring a Smark Out Moment sign to any kind of a wrestling event, doesn't matter what it is or what company it is, if you send a picture or video of it to me, I will put it up on the next week's episode of Smack Talk and on the website. Remember to send in those monthly mailbag questions. Leave those comments. Subscribe on YouTube and on iTunes. So on and so forth. And I'm going to bring this back around to me a little bit later. But for now, I'm going to pass it on to Braden. As usual, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's www.youtube.com slash SpoonBeast for any recent news in terms of Nintendo and gaming. Sometimes uh, the topics very rarely delve into other things maybe they'll start doing that uh, this fall who knows you can also follow me on twitter at spoon beast and also i'm sure you'll get this plug at least once or twice more before the end of this whole thing please visit uh, tony's alternate site www.fanboysanonymous.com for everything geek keep supporting smart Cup moment smack talk everything as well that's involved with mega powers radio keep, keep tuning in folks go ahead as always, guys, youtube.com forward slash Dina Genius. Something may be coming up in the next couple of days. I've got to find out what's going on first, and then I'll let you guys know. Um, also, fanboysanonymous.com. I'm going to be doing a huge contour in the next couple of months, so keep out for that, as I'm going to be posting the majority of the videos on Fanboys, of course. This job for hire, check it out on Blip TV. And also my YouTube channel as well. We're going to be shooting episode three coming up. And uh, I've got gameplay tomorrow at 8 p.m. We're going to be talking Atlas, uh, the company that's recently been bought by Sega. So we're going to go from the great times to the financial troubles to what the future lies for this company. If you are an Atlas fan, please tune in and make sure that you check out I Got Gameplay. And we also have T-shirts for sale. Um, which have I Got Gameplay and on the back have you. So make sure you check that out, guys. And as always, thank you for your support. Peyton? 
All right. Well, I am the president of operations over at Mega Powers Radio. We got cool content going pretty much every single night. Check it out at megapowersradio.com. Most important things you should know. Every Monday night following the conclusion of Monday Night Raw, we go live on the air for our immediate reactions on our Raw post show. You'll find pretty much anybody on this show present on there, as well as a few uh, select others who get to join us. And in fact, you can join us because it's a live show with a call-in number where you can join the conversation. Lots of fun. We've been having a lot of fun in the chat room as well. So turn up because it's, it's it's a good time. Uh, also, we have Keeping Kayfabe, my wrestling show that I have on Thursday nights. Burhan usually graces me with his presence there as well. Tony joined us this week because we had our big 50th episode special where we talked about the Montreal screw job. We went in depth with everything like that. We talked about the backstage reactions to it, what happened to Bret Hart afterwards. And it's a lot of fun. Really, really cool episode. One of my favorites ever of the show. So go check that out. That'll be available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, YouTube, KeepingKayfabe.com, and of course on Megapower radio.com and the next big show we got coming up is actually this monday so i know i promoted that monday night raw post show not happening this monday starting <laughs> the following monday uh this monday the dace man show is going to be taking over monday night and they're going to be having laura plays video game music one of those pretty young ladies that you see on the internet who plays violin and piano to video game music she's going to be talking about her experience with that it's going to be a good time so please tune in megapowersradio.com all right, guys, if you're interested in everything else going on under a mango tree, make sure you check out outonlimbs.com for my viewpoints on everyday life, fanboysanonymous.com, your source for all things geek-related. Make sure you check out the a mango tree and Tony Mango social media accounts, Twitter and Facebook, and so on and so forth. And I want to give a thank you to everyone who was a part of the panel tonight and all of you for listening. As always... Thank you very much. Can't do this without your support. Love you guys. Next week, we are going to have our monthly mailbag where we answer all your questions, as well as the TNA Bound for Glory pay-per-view predictions. So if you're interested in our viewpoints for TNA, because we didn't talk too much about it this week, make sure you check out the next episode. But for now, this has been another Smart Out moment, and we are being counted out. Adios, everybody. It's an easy outro. It's got a hold on you. Believe it. Unlike Battleground. It's like no other. And it will try to make you see. It's an easy outro. It's not like TNA. Believe it. It's so simple. All you have to do is sing the notes.